Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host for the next hour of business news, thought-provoking opinions, lots of entertainment, no financial advice because I'm not a certified financial planner and everything I say here is for your entertainment only and you always need to do your own due diligence. That's my one of my favorite phrases that just makes me realize that everybody needs to have their own particular situation figured out and you can get people like me to help you figure your situation out, but nobody knows your situation like you do. That's your responsibility and I'm just here to help you think of a few alternatives while you're maneuvering through the business world. I've been totally immersed, of course, in the new the new tax law, which is they haven't had a new one in the last 30. It's been 32 years since they had a major tax revision. There was quite a few tax increases that came in around 2013. This is actually a case where the taxes have gone down for most people. In 1986, the same thing happened. So those old tax laws that came in in 87, they actually raised taxes for certain people, but lowered taxes for a lot of others. This one mostly lowers taxes by lowering the rates, but it has a few twists and turns where some people end up kind of breaking even with about the same tax. Unfortunately, some people end up with quite a bit more tax in 2018 versus 2017. Mainly that's due to the removal of an entire category of deductions called miscellaneous itemized. I noticed the other day working on a client who has quite a bit of money in a stock type account with a lot of dividends and mutual funds. That person pays fees based on the value of their account. And when that account is not what they call qualified money, when it's not in an IRA or a 401k, but it's your own taxable money that earns taxable dividends and interest, you are entitled in 2017 and before to claim those fees on your income tax return as a deduction. That entire section is gone away. The other thing that's in that section called miscellaneous itemized deductions is tax preparation fees. There was a time when I could always tell people that what they pay me to get their income tax done can be deducted. Technically, it would be put on that form. Now, in 2018, that deduction is gone. It's kind of interesting. The whole section's gone. One of the motivations for that change, I believe, is that the IRS has now a whole department that they don't have to audit anymore starting in 2018. I would say out of the last 10 years, the occasional examination that I have, just because I have quite a few tax clients, I have a few now and then, maybe one or two a year at the most of, of examinations. About a third of those are examinations relating to this miscellaneous itemized. So people who work for wages and that have deductions as a wage earner the ones that come to mind are salespeople who do a lot of driving for their job. They are probably accounting for about a third of all the audits that I've gone through in the last five or 10 years with some clients. That whole section is gone. So the IRS just eliminated a lot of labor and a lot of manpower that they can, I guess, put somewhere else. The normal place that the audits happen is in the self-employed businesses I'm guessing that whatever people are working on audits of this miscellaneous itemized, of course, they still have 2015, 16, and 17. They could still audit. But I don't think, I mean, I think by now the 16s have already come out. There could be some 17s, but I can't see them spending a lot of time on 2017 unless it's some kind of egregious numbers they're looking at. The reason I say that is because the future IRS will not even need that department to be looking. They won't even need to be looking at miscellaneous itemized. So I'm not sure there's going to be a lot of 2017 audits in that department. Who knows? I do want to point out 
the one thing that does seem to be possibly going to hurt people for tax season next year is this. Even though your tax liability has gone down due to the lower tax rates that are in effect in 2018, your employer, if you're a wage earner, has been reduced. They've reduced the amount of withholding they've taken based on those lower rates. In other words, if your tax liability is lower in 2018 by, say, $1,000 than it was in 2017, your refund probably won't be going up because your withholding is going to be decreased probably by approximately that $1,000. People who think their refund's going to go up because of the new lower rates aren't necessarily going to see that. That will be, I think there are going to be a few surprises next year for people who haven't done the planning and talk to someone like myself or some other local tax professional, that's something that's going to probably get people next tax season because they've gotten that extra 100 or 200 a month on their net check, but they didn't really notice it. Of course, everybody knows how fast that net pay goes away when you start paying your bills each month. They're not. They're going to go into the tax season next year thinking that, oh, well, since the tax rates are lower, I should get a bigger refund. That's not going to be the case because of this withholding issue. It's another reason why you should consult somebody to make sure if you're a wage earner and you don't get especially large refunds every year on your tax refunds, you may want to check with a wage, with a, I'm sorry, with a tax professional and bring them a copy of your year-to-date wages and withholding that way they can analyze what 2018 is going to look like based on how you're withholding and to make sure that you're not going to come up short. I offer that. I could do that basic service in an initial consultation. If it gets to be more than just an initial consultation level, of course, I would charge, but I would let you know that. But an initial consultation with a new client would include going over their withholding for 2018 and assessing whether it's adequate for the end of the year or whether they need to make an adjustment now before the year's over. Since it's only the late summer, there's still plenty of time to make corrections in case you do have a shortfall on your withholdings for 2018. That's where the trickiness could come in. The other issue with the new tax law that I have a little bit of a beef with is this. Most, a lot of my clients, I won't say most, but most of my, I'd say most of my self-employed clients, unless they make a lot, a lot of money, the main tax that they end up paying is the self-employment tax on their self-employed earnings. That is the Social Security and the Medicare tax. When you work for wages, you pay half of that and your employer pays the other half and they get a deduction for their half. When you're self-employed, you have to pay the entire 15.3% of that income and that tax rate for that income, and it's a self-employment tax, that rate doesn't end or go down until you hit 120000 or so of income. My average client who might net forty or fifty thousand as a self-employed person sometimes pays zero or close to zero in regular income tax because they might have a home mortgage, they might have a couple of children that they get to get credits for and deductions, exemptions. They end up where their main tax is the fifteen percent of the Social Security tax. So their tax total might be the seventy five hundred dollars of Social Security tax on fifty thousand of net income with zero regular income tax. Can you see the problem I'm talking about here? The tax rates went down, but for this person the self employment tax didn't change. That's my one that and the elimination of that miscellaneous itemized I was talking about a few minutes ago. Those are probably my two biggest beefs so far with the new 2018 tax law. The average working guy who's trying to make a living did not get a tax cut hardly at all unless he's making quite a bit of money and he has other, maybe his wife works for wages and they might get a tax savings due to those types of incomes. But the basic self-employed person who doesn't make a ton of money 
probably just got a zero tax break from this new tax law. I disagree with that. Just because those are the type of people who kind of keep the keep the wheels of commerce rolling, if you know what I mean. They have to, they eat three meals a day also. I always think about that too. The consumption of a guy who makes $50,000 for personal items other than luxuries is probably about the same as the consumption of a guy who makes 250000 excluding luxuries, of course. So to have five people making 50000 in a community versus one person making two fifty in a community probably adds to that community's economy a lot more than the one person making two fifty. That was just a thought that came to me. It sort of sounds obvious. It may not even sound that intelligent of a comment, but I was just thinking that that is what keeps our city and our area going is people spending money, shopping, going out to dinner, uh, filling up their gas tank. Every time you do a transaction, you're helping some local business make some sort of money. You can say that when it's a Starbucks, well, that's not a local business, but there are local people working there and they're being employed. I would say that every time you do a local transaction, you're helping somebody locally with their personal economic situation, whether it's giving them more wages because the place is busier, maybe making more profit for the small restaurant owner who's self-employed. Every little bit helps. I disagree with not giving tax cuts to hardworking, self-employed people who might not make a ton of money, but they still are consumers and they still contribute to the local economy and the state economy and, of course, the national economy. The discussion of Social Security is such a giant topic that that could be done in a whole separate show. I'll point out that the entire theory of Social Security, the numbers don't add up. There's so much liability coming as our population gets older and a lot of baby boomers retire and the new generation isn't coming up in large numbers like that to pay for the Social Security benefits that are going to be drawn by baby baby boomers like myself. As I've said before, we don't talk age on business buzz, but I'm getting to that point where I have to start at least looking at the looking at the numbers. One real good thing about getting older is switching over to Medicare for your health care premiums versus the horrible premiums that a guy like me has to pay as a self employed person in business. Unbelievable how much the premiums are and how luckily I'm, I've been blessed with good health and luckily I haven't had to use it a lot. So that just makes the premium seem that much more expensive. I look at other people I know that are constantly going to the doctor for some treatment or another, some test or another. They're actually getting their money's worth out of those premiums. But when I look at mine, I mean, I'm not going to complain about being fortunate to be fairly healthy, but it sure hurts to write that check every month for that health insurance premium that really is hardly getting used. And when I do spend money, it never really meets the deductible. So it's it's just a, it's a tough subject. One other thing about the 2018 tax law on the subject of health care is the penalty for not being insured goes away for the 20... I believe it's the 2019 year. I think they, they stretched that one out. So that one I'll have to look up. Sorry about that. I, I don't have it all memorized yet. Don't quote me on it. I believe that one is still going to have a penalty for 2018, but it will go away for 2019, which that is one good feature of that law. I mean, it's still obviously not the government's position to force you to buy something, in my opinion. The first break's going to be coming up. I'm hoping you have a nice afternoon that you've been enjoying. I'm glad you have time to spend some of it with me. I'm going to get back to some business news, some commentary about insurance, and I don't want to be considered someone who harps on the same subject, but it's important and I like the topic, so 
I enjoy it. We're going to have business news, and I actually have an example today of why you need to listen to Business Buzz and take, and take my word for it that you should be reading alternative websites for your news. I have a perfect example today of why that's true and why you should not listen to only one side of the story. It came up related to a subject that is near and dear to my heart, so I hope you're going to enjoy that. We're also going to expand out to the entire universe a little later today, which you know I like to do. I'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay right there. received news that Chlorina and Sludge have been captured for impersonating spring water. Let's now go to our field reporter, Alza Wet. Once again, Bob the Drop saves the world from fake water and... Oh, here's Bob now. Bob, do you have anything to say? Well, Chlorina and Sludge from Tapopolis are the worst. Why would you want wannabe water when you can have the best tasting water delivered right to your door? Anyone can get Mount Shasta spring water if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple. Naturally the best. Mount Shasta spring water. KKXX is excited to present Seeds of Truth with Joe Holcraft. Each weekday evening, Joe has hosted the Catholic Hour every weekend for the last eight years. And Seeds of Truth promises the same Catholic understanding of sacred scripture, contemporary faith-based topics, and the latest news from around the world. If you have questions about faith, join Joe and the Seeds of Truth right here on KKXX each evening, Monday through Friday. There is not a single book in the Bible where the facts that we now know in archaeology are so important to the story. And we're going to be telling you that. We're going to be showing you and demonstrating beyond any doubt or question what's behind this whole story in Exodus. You're going to be amazed. David Hawking shares more about the evidence that proves the Exodus story is true this week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today, weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I hope you're enjoying a nice Chico afternoon. The weather's getting a little bit kinder, a little less harsh, a little cooler in the morning. I've been enjoying that. I promised you that I've got a great example of why what I've been telling you is important to listen to Business Buzz and to listen to, to read Places like Zero Hedge. Another one you might enjoy is called Rents.com, R-E-N-S-E. Because you will hear so many different stories that it's, it's pretty incredible. The story I'm going to talk about right now is the absolute most interesting contrast that I've seen. And first I'm going to get into, if you're familiar with my guy that I've been talking about because I'm just amazed and I keep warning you that you may own this company in your portfolio. His name's Elon Musk and one of his companies is called Tesla. Uh, never made a profit, lost 700 million each of the last two quarters. Uh, getting low, lower on cash all the time. Uh, Mr. Musk had tweeted out a couple weeks ago that he had funding secured for a called a leveraged buyout where a company takes its stock and goes private. That alone is probably a crime because it's turning out now with the article since then, he did not have funding secured. In fact, he didn't hardly even have it started from what I can gather. So I'm reading some articles and there's a, I won't call this person a musician because I've never heard the music, 
It's some sort of rap artist. It's a female named Azalea Banks. And so I've got a I've got the 180 degree contrasting articles. And depending on whether you've been listening to Harold Littlejohn CPA on Business Buzz lately or not, you may be reading one of these or you may be reading both. Well, I'm going to read some of both for you and I'm going to demonstrate to you why you need to listen to a second opinion and have alternative sources for your news. This is an article that just came out and this friend of Elon Musk's girlfriend, who is a rapper named Grimes out of Canada, and I won't call them musicians because I haven't listened to their music. So here it says, U.S. rapper Azalea Banks is demanding Elon Musk return her phone in a series of cryptic Instagram posts. In one now-deleted Instagram story, if you don't know, Instagram is kind of like Twitter. It's a internet service where I guess you post pictures and little sayings for your friends to see, and they last for a while. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how Instagram works. I've never, I've never participated myself. In one now-deleted Instagram story, Banks claimed Musk's attorney was in possession of her phone and is deleting evidence following an encounter at the Tesla CEO's home earlier this month. Now that's Elon Musk as Tesla CEO. Musk denied that he or his lawyers have Banks's phone. It's a effing mess, Banks told Business Insider when asked for further comment. I want my phone and I want to go home. Banks also pointed to the fact that Musk has apparently deleted his Instagram account. It's the bizarre Tesla subplot that just won't die. Rapper Azalea Banks is posting cryptic messages about Tesla CEO Elon Musk on her Instagram account, demanding in a series of updates that the billionaire returns her phone. She also threatened to call the police. I want my phone and I want to go home, Banks told Business Insider. I'm in tears right now, she added. This has nothing to do with me. It's a development on Banks's claim last week that she spent a weekend at Musk's Los Angeles home earlier this month to collaborate with his girlfriend, the musician Grimes. During Banks' stay, she says she overheard Musk on the phone scrounging for investors to cover his blank for saying he had secured funding to take Tesla private. Banks relayed the experience to Business Insider. A representative for Musk initially said he had never met Banks, but then he told the New York Times that he did spot the rapper at his home as she was leaving. He said Banks was not in hearing range and he did not recognize her. Now Banks is claiming that Musk has her phone. She tagged him in two posts, one asking Musk to contact her and the other saying, I need my phone back now. The posts alone do not explain why Musk has her handset, but a now-deleted update casts more light on her side of the story. The message, screenshotted by Cheddar Anchor, claims that Musk's attorney has Banks's phone and is deleting evidence. A spokesman for Musk said Elon doesn't know Azalea Banks, he doesn't have her phone, and neither do his lawyers. Banks additionally drew another Business Insider reporter's attention to the fact that Musk had apparently deleted his Instagram account. I wonder why he deleted his account. Very strange. Banks also expressed her distaste for journalists. And then it goes on and on. So here's a woman who claims, and this is all, you know, there's no proof yet on any of this, claims that after Mr. Musk had tweeted the fact that he had secured funding for a big buyout that was going to make him and everybody else rich. And it did add over a billion dollars to his net worth in 10 minutes that night when he came out and said that it turned out now he doesn't look, it looks like he doesn't have any kind of secured funding and wasn't even close to it. And now he's denying seeing the person that overheard him calling a bunch of bankers trying to cover his, rear end on the problem that he messed everything up. All I, The reason I'm dwelling on this case and this person and this company is it's a perfect example of what I've been telling people. In your portfolio, in your retirement account, you may very well own part of this company. 
The stock I know has dipped down below $300. It was about 370 the night he tweeted that out. So I think it's down about 20% in the last couple of weeks. And it's all because of this seemingly, allegedly crazy activity and behavior of this CEO. The reason I brought this up now is that those articles were good enough and I was really interested in them already. Then I found one that is the kind that I want to point out to you. This is the kind that you've been reading, and I just don't mean you in particular, but generally, odds are this is the kind of article. The next one I'm going to read is the kind of article you've basically been reading about all of these wonderful CEOs for a lot of years. And I'm going to read this now. This is in contrast to the information I've been giving you about Musk, about Remember I told you about the bumpers that fell off the car, the Teslas, after a half hour of rain hit them on the way home from buying a Tesla? That was the article I talked to you about last time when I mentioned this company. These are the kind of problems this company has. They've never made a profit. They're losing money hand over fist. That last article is an article alleging some of the stuff going on with this guy that runs it. Now here's the article I want to read to you from, of all places, Forbes magazine. Ready for the title? It's called Stop Worrying About Elon Musk. It's from August 20th, which is very recent. And the article is written by a guy named Brittain Ladd, L-A-D-D. Never heard of him. Now, here, get this. Here's, your, here's, the, here's the kind of thing you're going to hear about Elon Musk if you don't listen to the business buzz. Here we go. An excellent series by the History Channel is titled The Men Who Built America. It provides an in-depth look at the businessmen who built America's railroads, shipping, infrastructure, banking, and finance, as well as the men who created the massive oil and steel industries. Just as a sidebar, any guesses where this article's going? A common theme throughout the series when discussing Cornelius Vanderbilt, John D. Rockefeller, Andrew Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, Thomas Edison, and Henry Ford is that each man had a vision, and each man worked tirelessly to turn that vision into a reality. John D. Rockefeller, the man who created the modern-day oil industry and who also became the richest man in history, spent nearly every waking moment thinking about business. As a little sidebar there, John D. Rockefeller is also the man, if I'm not mistaken, who would go into every small town, sell gas at a price below his cost, bankrupt all the other gas stations and then raise the price up to the proper level. If I'm not mistaken, that may be the same John D. Rockefeller that these guys are talking about. Okay. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back after this message. Hello, this is Samantha Landy, and I bring you Psalms of Hope. Heard here on Life Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. So do tune in and join me for beautiful music and an encouraging word from the Lord. Psalms of Hope with Samantha Landy, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, here on KKXX. Creation, it's broken. This is Ken Ham, author of the new book, Gospel Reset, Salvation Made Relevant. Picture this, a deer grazes in the sunshine while birds sing. A rabbit munches on some grass. Beautiful, right? But what you don't see are the ticks feeding on the birds and the foxes crouched ready to pounce on the rabbit and the parasite eggs are hiding in the grass waiting to invade the doe. It's beautiful, but it's also ugly. And Genesis explains why. God's original creation was very good. No bloodthirsty ticks, no carnivores, and no parasitic worms. But Adam's sin changed everything. It brought death, and creation was cursed. And now we see both beauty and ugliness. But someday, God promises to restore the creation. Subscribe to receive free daily email insights from Ken Ham when you visit AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again or share it with others at AnswersRadio.com. 
one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. Fellow Americans united, we can grow strong to protect the blessings of liberty for ourselves, our children, grandchildren, and their children. Let us read and understand the life, freedom, and property protecting principles of the Constitution and embrace the godly wisdom our founding fathers instilled in our one nation under God. America, bless God. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Hopefully you're having a nice afternoon. I'm hoping to be able to entertain you with my entertainment value. This is not financial advice. Don't call your broker just because of me and tell him to sell all your Tesla stock. I mean, don't do it just because of me. Do it after you've done your own due diligence. But I'm helping you with that. So I'm going to continue with our enshrinement of these wonderful persons. Yeah, I'm going to continue from this Forbes article of August 20th. Each of the men portrayed in the series also had another thing in common. They weren't copying other companies. In many ways, most of the men were creating entirely new industries. Big difference. Elon Musk is very similar to the great industrialists of the past. Musk didn't just open a car company. He created a car company unlike any other car company in existence, Tesla. Musk's other ventures, SpaceX and The Boring Company, are also focused on creating something new versus maintaining any type of status quo. When Steve Jobs, founder of Apple, passed away, I wrote that Apple should acquire Tesla and make Musk the CEO. When Steve Ballmer left Microsoft, I wrote that Microsoft should acquire Tesla and make Musk the CEO. I've spoken publicly about the fact I can only imagine what idea Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon and Musk, could come up with if Amazon acquired Tesla or signed a strategic partnership with the company. Musk has recently been singled out for his long work hours and penchant for tweeting early in the morning. Musk has been criticized recently for insulting a diver connected with a rescue mission in Thailand to free trapped soccer students. I was one of the individuals who criticized Musk. And as a sidebar to that, I pointed that out a couple weeks ago about him calling the guy who saved all the kids over there a pedophile. Now it is time, now I'm going back to the article. Now it is time for someone to defend Musk. I am more than happy to do so. Well, I can tell because, uh, Mr. Author, you are in love with uh, people like Vanderbilt, Rockefeller, and J.P. Morgan. So I'm sure you love Elon Musk. Musk has a vision specific to what Tesla must become in order to be sustainable and profitable. On a daily basis, Musk dissects every detail of Tesla, regardless of how minute, over and over and over. It never stops. I wonder if that includes the bumpers that fall off when they get wet. Okay, let me continue. To make matters more complicated, as Musk is thinking about Tesla, SpaceX, the boring company, and business in general, his mind generates new ideas for new companies and new products. Musk can't turn it off, ever. Oh my God, what a genius this guy is. That, that was my own interjection there. I'll continue with the article. When Musk states that he has to work long hours, he's telling the truth. Musk isn't copying a business model that's already proven. Obviously not. He's lost over a bil almost a billion and a half dollars in six months. So no, I don't think he's following any long-lasting business models. He is creating something that's never been done. Musk has to innovate in order to succeed, and innovation takes work. Lots of it. You know, I tell you, I am I'm gonna write I gotta write to this author and I gotta ask him to write write me up something about myself. This guy is this guy just he is just has a way with words. I'm gonna continue now. If I worked for Tesla, I have no doubt that Tesla would become the most important thing in my life. Tesla is unlike any other car company that's existed. Being part of something new and exciting is intoxicating. Being part of a team that is making history has a way of becoming addictive. Working at Tesla isn't something you do, it becomes who you are. Right or wrong, agree or disagree, Tesla will never succeed, succeed without a mindset from Musk or associates that what they do is a 9 to 5 job. Amazon, Walmart, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, and Google were all created by individuals willing to sacrifice and burn the midnight oil seven days a week. Well, as a sidebar, uh, 
I believe that Amazon's profits stem from their $600 million contract with the CIA, and I'm not sure it stems from all the selling and parcel delivering, but uh, I'm a CPA, but I haven't dug into their books because they never hired me to be their accountant. So I won't, don't quote me on that. But from what I've read, uh, a lot of their profits are actually coming from things that are not quite so brilliant. They're more involved with who you know. Same with Facebook and Google, by the way. But that's for another discussion. My advice to Musk, I'm going back to the article. My advice to Musk is this, don't change. Keep doing what you're doing. However, find one hour to take a step back and re-examine what you do on a daily basis. Are you focused on the vital few ideas? Or are you bogged down wasting time on the trivial many ideas and topics that invariably exist in a business, especially a startup? Hire a chief of staff who can hang with your schedule and hours. Don't think there is anyone who can keep up with you. If so, that is a sure sign that you need to hire a dedicated chief of staff and fast. As I stated in the first article I wrote about Musk, Superman's weakness is kryptonite. The weakness of Elon Musk is Elon Musk. The value of having a solid chief of staff is that he or she would be able to help polish and edit how Musk communicates and more importantly prevent creating unnecessary problems for a company already plagued by problems galore. Well, at least this guy's starting to sound a little more truth-telling. Musk has resisted hiring a chief operating officer for Tesla, but I believe the time has come to do so. I am on the record as stating Annette Clayton, CEO of Schneider Electric, would be an ideal choice. Blah, blah, blah. Here we go. I'll continue a little here. It's almost over, folks. Stop worrying about Elon Musk. Musk doesn't act the way many other executives do because Musk isn't like other executives. I want Musk to keep generating ideas. I want Tesla to succeed. He probably owns a bunch of Tesla stock and he's freaking out now that it's gone down so far. Uh, Back to the article. No no matter how much I like and respect Musk, however, I have to come to recognize the need for Musk to become more willing to leverage others on his journey. I served in the Marine Corps for six years, and at times, even the most physically and mentally strong Marines needed assistance. There is no shame in loosening your grip, Elon. However, only you can make the decision to do so. Okay. Now, why did I read that article right after I read the article about Azalea Banks, the rap singer that is visiting Elon at his Los Angeles home because she's going to work on some music with Elon's girlfriend Grimes, the Canadian rapper? I'm trying to point out that that second, the article that I just finished reading called Stop Worrying About Elon Musk from Forbes is the absolute stuff that you've been reading for the past 40 or 50 years until some alternative sources came out on the having the internet as i've said before i've been reading alternative sources since before the internet but it wasn't easy in the old days first you had to be introduced to something in print then you had to pay to subscribe to it and it never was a large publication it was always just little bits and pieces here and there Alternative news is something that you really need to investigate, you need to read, and you need to be involved with because you are only getting one side of the story. My goodness, after reading that Stop Worrying About Elon Musk, if I didn't know anything else about him or Tesla, I would think that I should go take my life savings and buy Tesla stock because obviously this is the next J.P. Morgan Bank and the next, uh, the next Standard Oil and the next U.S. Steel, my goodness, this guy must be a genius. Then I remember the articles I've been reading on Business Buzz, and I know you've heard those, about the thousands of Teslas that are parked in lots all through the Central Valley of California. They left the factory, but they I don't believe they've been sold yet. Then I read about the bumpers that fall off after 30 minutes of rain, I also read about the tent they set up in order to make sure that they rolled officially off and out of the the factory 5,000 Teslas in a week. All of these things add up to a case of a possible, and I'll say alleged because I have no proof here and I don't want to be called slanderous or anything. This is a possibility of a complete bankruptcy in the making. If you understand what happens in a bankruptcy, when a corporation goes bankrupt, the stock that you owned 
at say three hundred dollars a share is worth zero. It's kind of like WorldCom. It's kind of like Enron. And the interesting thing about those, and I'll try to bring some articles in the future on this, is right up till a few days before the disasters, like when Enron went to zero, right up until a few days, the mainstream media was touting how solid everything was. There's some clips from Jim Cramer on Mad Money. I believe it's right before Lehman Brothers went bust in 08 and the whole financial system would have collapsed if we didn't give $12 trillion to a bunch of banks. And I read you that list a week or so ago, right up to almost a few days before that complete collapse occurred, stations like CNBC, and I'll have to go back and double check my facts here, but if I remember right, those stations were touting how great everything was right up till a few days before everybody lost a lot of money. That's what I'm here to warn you about. You cannot afford to lose 50% of the money you've worked so hard to save. Whatever they're telling you, like this Forbes article that's making this guy sound like the next uh, the next John D. Rockefeller, who I'm not even saying is a person I respect based on what I've read, but I'm, I know financially he's very successful. If you're going to compare this guy to that, it's it's pretty incredible. I'm just pointing out that that is what you have been spoon-fed for the last 30 or 40 years if you haven't been reading any alternative news. You have to have a second opinion. You have to hear the other side of the story. I feel that's my main goal here on Business Buzz is just to educate you on that. As far as local business, everything's... Seems pretty good in Chico. The students are back. Places are pretty crowded when you go downtown and try to get a snack or a, a meal downtown. They're pretty crowded in the evening, and the breakfast places, you have to put your name in at some of them. So I will say the local business appears to be doing pretty well. Hopefully, we won't have a big downturn here. I know the realtors are all pretty happy with the realty prices. People are still looking to buy homes. Interest rates are still fairly low. Things appear to be not too bad. So I won't, I did see an article today. I'm not going to read it today, but I did see an article today. The number of U.S. home foreclosures is up from last year for the first time in three years. In other words, The number of foreclosures last month was higher than the number of foreclosures in July of 2017, which is a first. It hasn't happened for three years. I'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. I got some more great insurance news coming for you to to protect you. Stay tuned. The Journey with Annie Meadows. Honest, thought-provoking. The Journey is a half-hour program airing every week. Listen as Annie shares from her heart and life experiences with the belief that you can be free, you can be better, and you can take courage. Join us for The Journey with Annie Meadows. Weekends at 1230 here on KKXX. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio. You're busy, which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. (laughs) They can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. America bless God. Fellow Americans, your hearing this admonition establishes that you are one who cares for the America that has been so blessed by Almighty God. We implore you to embrace the laws of nature and of nature's God, to read and know the Constitution. Join with other moral and religious people and organizations to foster the blessings of liberty for ourselves 
and our posterity. America, bless God. Well, there's nothing like the sound of Bachman Turner Overdrive in the afternoon. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for staying tuned to Business Buzz. I got one more little segment before we end our time together today. I'm glad you had a chance to spend some of it with me. I have an article from... The reason I like reading this man's articles is that him and I feel the same way about a lot of things, and he puts it really well. I'm going to give you one little summary here for an article from Mr. Egon von Greyers. Is I have to give credit because I'm actually duplicating his words by reading them. And his website's called goldswitzerland.com. And this article is entitled, Insure Your Wealth or Lose It All. And I've been talking about money insurance. You have life insurance, health insurance, car insurance, home insurance. Why the heck don't you have money insurance? Well, I'm telling telling you to get some. Here's the article. Embrace uncertainty. Anyone who doesn't follow this momentous maxim in coming years is likely to get one unpleasant shock after the next because the stable progression of the world economy since World War II is now coming to an end. What should have been a normal cyclical high in the next year or two is now going to be the most massive implosion of a bubble full of debts and inflated assets. The system has been successfully manipulated for decades by central banks, certain commercial banks, the Bank of International Settlements in Switzerland, and the International Monetary Fund for the benefit of a small elite. Speaking of that, I'll take another sidebar. The elite would be people like Musk, Rockefeller, Morgan, and their descendants, Vanderbilt's. Who's the CNN guy? Vanderbilt's son. Can't think of his name at the moment. Okay. Income gap, fuel for social unrest. And and he shows a chart. He says, just look at the chart of the growing wage gap in the U.S. between the top 5% and the middle 50% since 1973. The top group has had a 51% increase, while the middle one has had a 4% decrease in wages. This is the stuff revolutions are made of, and social unrest is clearly one of the uncertainties we must be prepared for. And if you go to this uh, article at goldswitzerland.com, the name of the article is Insure Your Wealth or Lose It All, you can see this chart, and it's unbelievable. The top 5%, their wages just shoot up in a big line upward. But the bottom, or the middle 50, just goes sideways for 45 years. I'm going to continue. Most forecasts will be wrong. I learned early in life to embrace uncertainty because from this moment on in anybody's life, all is uncertain. Individual lives can change very quickly, and so can the world economy and the political situation. There are times when projections and probabilities work fairly well, but the next few years will be very different. Most investors believe that the historically predictable trajectory of stock markets will continue. And based on history, why wouldn't it? Since the trend has been up for as long as anyone can remember. The corrections of 1973, 1987, 2000, and 2007 are quickly forgotten as the market reaches new highs. Well, as a sidebar there, I haven't forgotten 07 because I had so many clients that couldn't even make a living anymore. It was really bad. Okay, I'm going to continue. The average investor always feels very confident at the top of the market. He doesn't worry about risk, and even if valuations are stretched, quote, the stock market always goes up. Markets can easily become more overextended than anyone can imagine, and it is always different today. Investment is about risk, and economic risk is today greater than any time in history, whether we look at stocks, bonds, or property. But the uncertainty today stretches much further than various asset classes. It is much more serious than that because the actions of central banks and the fractional reserve banking system has created a monstrous financial system that has little chance of survival. The next section he titles Worse Than 2007 to 9. What happened in 2007 to 9 when the banking system was hours from a total collapse 
will soon come back with a vengeance. This time, central banks will not just throw tens of trillions of dollars at the problem. They will create out of thin air hundreds of trillions and probably even quadrillions as the global derivative bubble bursts. This is clearly not the uncertainty that anyone could embrace. But like with many risks, it is fortunately possible to insure against the risk of a banking collapse, the crash of most asset classes, and the final destruction of the currency system. Please reread the last sentence. That statement sounds like hocus-pocus and a fraudulent promise. How can anyone offer insurance against the whole quadrillion-dollar financial system? And then it says wealth insurance. Like most elegant solutions, it is so simple that over 99% of investors as well as ordinary people would not even think about it. But what is even worse is that if they were told about the life insurance that could save them from destitution, they would still not consider it. This is exactly what has happened in Venezuela. A socialist regime has totally destroyed the economy and impoverished the people. If the people had bought this insurance 10 years ago, or even at the end of 2017, that could have saved them. Most people will by now understand that I'm talking about physical gold. It is such a simple and obvious solution to protect against the current risks, but still less than 1% of people will consider it. As hedge funds have record shorts in gold, the gold price in dollars is currently making a low for the year. The average gold investor and speculator is either getting out of gold or being very nervous. But the wealth preservation investor is not the slightest bit concerned, as he is holding gold to protect against the massive risk in the system. We are currently seeing increased interest from this type of investor. Yeah, I'll, I'll point out that he, he says that because his company actually sells storage of gold for people's actual gold. Sometimes readers criticize us for our views on gold as if we were talking about our own book. The reasons for being involved in the gold market have nothing to do with a vested interest. Back in 2001, I identified the risks in the financial system as being so elevated that insurance in the form of gold outside the banking system was an obvious choice. So early in 2002, we bought important amount of gold for ourselves and the investors we advised at the time. The price was then $300. We advised our investors to hold a significant part of their financial assets in gold. We considered then that 25% was a minimum, but that even higher percentages were advisable. Invest when unloved and undervalued. At the time in 2002, gold was at $300 was unloved and undervalued. This is, of course, the right time to enter an investment. Matterhorn Asset Managements was then a private investment company. Due to interest in wealth preservation from around the world, we turned Matterhorn into a regulated Swiss company facilitating the ownership of physical gold and silver stole in ultra-secure private vaults outside the banking system. Gold rushed up to $1,900 in 2011 and has since been correcting for seven years. In the meantime, risk has grown exponentially, and the reasons for holding gold as a wealth preservation asset are now stronger than ever. Investors who bought gold around the peak in 11 or 12 are obviously not in the money currently, but wealth preservation investors are not concerned. They know why they are holding gold and that it's only a matter of time before the gold price reflects, reflects the true value of worthless paper currencies. So anyway, I read part of that, the end of that article last week. What it's saying is that the U.S. dollar is very high right now, but in most currencies in the world, gold right now is almost at all-time highs if it isn't already at an all-time high. All I'm saying is, I'm harping on it, I know I repeat myself, but I want to really emphasize to you that you do need to insure your money the way you insure your health, your house, your car, and your property. That's sort of a no-brainer. I am really just trying to be that second opinion for you, and as far as taxes tax questions, upcoming tax issues you have if you owe the IRS. I am always available for a free consultation. I'm Harold Littlejohn CPA, and you can call me at 530-895-3353. Like I say, I offer a free consultation. Usually those can be done over the telephone. If they need to be a sit-down, we can arrange that also. 
and 30 minutes of my time, I can usually solve a lot of your problems. And I think in that amount of time, you and I can decide whether our relationship's a good fit to work in the future. That's why I offer free consultations. It's a great way to get to know somebody. I hate to have somebody know that they have to write me a check just to meet me. I don't like that. And I'm sure there's other tax people who do what I do. I'm not sure. You would have to call them first and ask. As I like to say, there's lots of good tax professionals in Chico, and I hope to be one of them. You can always call me and get some free help and... Then if we go further, I'll end up making a little money and uh, we can have a win-win situation. Well, I just have two or three minutes left before our end of our day together. I hope you're having a nice August afternoon. It's nice to not be in triple digits and sometimes we are, sometimes we aren't. Since I've got a couple minutes left over, I'm going to go ahead and change course here. We're going to relax a little bit. We're going to go back into that right side of the mind that I've talked about before with the miracle business method. And I'm going to read you lesson 13 from A Course in Miracles. So just sit back and think about this. If you like it, go online and look up ACIM and start reading it. It's very entertaining, very intriguing, and I'm hooked on it. You might be too. If you aren't, then forgive me for reading another lesson, but these always make me feel better, especially when I got to go back and I got to get some more work done on my desk this afternoon. Uh, I didn't get finished before I left. Okay, lesson 13 from A Course in Miracles, titled A Meaningless World Engenders Fear. Today's idea is really another form of the preceding one, except it is more specific as to the emotion aroused. Actually, a meaningless world is impossible. Nothing without meaning exists. However, it does not follow that you will not think you perceive something that has no meaning. On the contrary, you will be particularly likely to think you do perceive it. Recognition of meaninglessness arouses intense anxiety in all the separated ones, and that's, that's you and I. It represents a situation in which God and the ego, and there, that's those two sides of the brain again, challenge each other as to whose meaning is to be written in the empty space that meaninglessness provides. The ego rushes in frantically to establish its own ideas there, fearful that the void may otherwise be used to demonstrate its own impotence and unreality. And on this alone, it is correct. It is essential, therefore, that you learn to recognize the meaninglessness and accept it without fear. If you are fearful, it is certain that you will endow the world with attributes that it does not possess and crowd it with images that do not exist. To the ego, illusions are safety devices, as they must also be to you who equate yourself with the ego. The exercises for today, which should be done about three or four times for not more than a minute or so at most each time, are to be practiced in a somewhat different way from the preceding ones. With eyes closed, now don't do this if you're driving. With eyes closed, repeat today's idea to yourself. Then open your eyes and look about you slowly, saying, I am looking at a meaningless world. Repeat this statement to yourself as you look about. Then close your eyes and conclude with, A meaningless world engenders fear because I think I am in competition with God. You may find it difficult to avoid resistance in one form or another to this concluding statement. Whatever form such resistance may take, remind yourself that you are really afraid of such a thought because of the vengeance of the enemy. You are not expected to believe the statement at this point, and you will probably dismiss it as preposterous. Note carefully, however, any signs of overt or covert fear which it may arouse. This is our first attempt at starting, I'm sorry, at stating an explicit cause and effect relationship of a kind which you are very inexperienced in recognizing. Do not dwell on the concluding statement and try not even to think of it except during the practice periods. That will suffice at present. So again, you need to say a meaningless world engenders fear. You need to close your eyes when you're not driving. Then open your eyes, look around and say, I am looking at a meaningless world. Now that part alone makes me feel better because... Every time I start analyzing the world, thinking about relationships, all the different people that come and go, all the problems that pop up, even the good things that happen, 
Why do they always change? Why do the good things turn bad, the bad things turn good? Could it be that this is true? That the world really is meaningless? To me, that's very helpful. If it isn't to you, then sorry about that and hope I didn't bore you for the last five minutes. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Come back to Business Buzz. We'll see you next time. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. Two former allies of President Trump are going to prison. In a flurry of legal activity during the same hour in two different cities, the president's longtime personal lawyer and his 2016 campaign chairman each became felons. In New York, Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to campaign finance violations and other charges. In Virginia, just outside Washington, Paul Manafort...